Hey, this is More Than Velocity. I'm Bart Pear. And for nearly a year now, Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera have been giving you guys the inning workings of baseball player development and arm care. They've done it on this podcast. Uh, we've done it on our YouTube channel, on the blog, on our website. And we've even got a six-hour course that includes, you know, continuing education credits if that's the sort of thing you need. But today, we're going to do something different. Basically, the goal here today is to hit the cliff notes of arm care. I'm going to pretend to be a parent. I've walked in and, you know, seen Jordan and, and Ryan sitting down at a coffee shop. And I sat down at the table and bought them a cup of coffee and I said, Hey, the next 20 minutes, give me the cliff notes on arm care so I can walk away and, and take care of my kid or my, if I'm a coach, my athletes, and, and we're just going to hit it real quick and see if we can knock this out and give you guys the, as much information as we can in 20 minutes. So before we get going, let's, let's kind of set up the story, Ryan, of, of you and Jordan at the Los Angeles Angels, what happened? And just just get us started with your background there. Yeah, so with the Angels, uh, I I was promoted to a position called Director of Performance Integration. I was overseeing strength and conditioning, sports science, injury research, and talent identification for athletic profiling and biomechanics. And in, I worked with Jordan to be able to evaluate our pitchers in our organization, their strength and their movement patterns. And we really realized that the benefits of strength testing outweighed anything from, from, you know, doing range of motion exclusively or biomechanics on their own. We had a lot of athletes that had high level biomechanics grades um, that were getting hurt. And the other athletes that weren't moving very well and had low biomechanics grades based on our scouting were staying healthy. And we did a little bit more digging into the strength levels and um, they were different. You know, the athletes that may not have had, you know, such great biomechanical grades, they had more balanced strength uh, across their throwing arms. And Jordan did a great job always updating us on changes in strength of their pitchers. And we would go in there and we create these customized programs for our guys. We, we had a lot of meetings. We, we met with the trainers. Uh, we met with the strength coaches and we, we made these adjustments and, this led to a really healthy organization. We were like the second worst in the league for a couple of years with not having strength testing. And then once we instituted it, we were in the, in the first half, the, you know, of, amongst the best teams in the league for health. And we didn't see any surgeries at the major league level for our major league pitchers for two seasons. So just, I want to get this right. So you, you guys went in there and the guys who had the best biomechanics were the ones who were actually getting injured. And then the guys who had poor biomechanics were, were staying healthy. So the exact opposite of what you expected to see. Yep. And so you guys were, you were already in analyzing biomechanics. You're already analyzing range of motion and changes of range of motion. And it wasn't helping. You had, no. you had really bad injury rates at, at, at the pro level compared to the other teams out there. You threw in strength testing and customizing training around what the strength testing was was seeing, and you basically did a 180. Yeah, just just to touch on that too is, you know, I came in and Ryan put a lot of context to the things I was trying to say because I came in in 2016. Ryan came in in 2017 with the Angels, and in 2016 I kind of got tasked to look over a lot of these biomechanical aspects and, and to help out wherever was asked from the front office. And we were well, why are these guys getting hurt? They have good mechanics, all these things. And, you know, my background is I, I mentored Tom House, and he has this equation that he uses about a 20% strength loss, that if you're losing strength, things are not going to go well. 
And, you know, we were doing this, we were testing, you know, dynamometry old school with the JTEX and everything with that. And we were seeing that when guys were losing strength, it was no good. When they stayed the same, they usually didn't get hurt. And when they got stronger, they usually increased performance and, and got to the big leagues. So I'm trying to explain this stuff. And everyone's like, what do you, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Ryan comes in. I remember having this conversation with him. He's like, oh yeah, dynamometer. I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe that's it. And he shows me what it is. I was like, yeah, this, that's what that thing is. So obviously with, with Ryan having a little bit more, you know, understanding of words than I do, he was able to take that, you know, research aspect and then combine it with what we were doing on the field and take what I'd been doing previously from coming, coming into the angels. And we were able to make sense of it. And that's where we kind of, you know, formed that process of going, okay, biomechanics, strength, jump power, all these things. But at the end of the day, strength was the key thing that held all that stuff together. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, and thanks for telling those, those stories. Let's back up a little bit. Cause this is, I'm looking for the cliff notes on arm care. What, what exactly is arm care and what isn't it? Cause I, I think there's some confusion there. Arm care is building balance. Number one, you got to be balanced front side, backside, scaption, grip. So your ability to be balanced, total body, that's arm care. Your ability to be strong and balanced, that's arm care. And arm care is not just to get you, you know, through the day and prep for throwing. It's to prep you for throwing. It's to recover from the outing and it's to be ready in the micro and macro cycles between each, each event. And so macro meaning not just this game, but every game, the season, every game of your career and little picture. Yeah. Yep. Macro cycle is like, you know, day to day. And then your macro cycle is outing to outing month to month, year to year, season to season. Arm care is really body care, but when it comes specifically to training the arm, what I see, there's a, there's a real big difference between what I think is training and what we're seeing as far as more of a rehabilitation um, conceptualization of training so what people don't know is the highest force on the elbow, the, the highest valgus, which is a, is a torque that opens the elbow. So that valgus torque is what puts stretch on the ligament, the ulnar collateral ligament and our forearm muscles, our flexors in particular, that valgus torque that opens up the elbow joint that our muscles are trying to close it's highest at maximal layback or very close to it. Just about when we get to maximal layback of the, the uh, form is where that elbow really starts to open and there's tension on that ligament at, so, on the inside. So we need, we need the isometric strength. We need to have that grip strength um, when there's not a big change in joint position, because at that particular instant, that's, what's holding the elbow together. That's so I, think you guys, I think you guys have, we've been talking all around it, but basically this ligament is when it gets torn, ruptured, that's Tommy John surgery. That's what that the yep. fix is Tommy John surgery. And that's one of the most yep. common injuries yes. for yep. throwers in baseball. So when you're talking about grip strength, you're talking about doing all of this forearm strength, it's to protect that ligament and avoid Tommy John. Totally. That, so we're explaining strength. This is, is so important. Grip strength protects that. We also talk about internal rotation strength. Jordan, tell me what that is and what it, when do we use it and why it's important? Yeah. So internal rotation strength is kind of going to be your, your meat and potatoes of that first line of defense for it. Right, Ryan. So it's going to be what's, what's rotating that arm from that full layback to get that thing moving forward. So that's going to yep. be in the shoulder. 
So I always like to look at things as close to the core as we can. So anytime we, that's where we're going to have the most control of our body. So anytime we can strengthen anything closest to our core, that's going to be our, our, our lowest hanging fruit. People have heard us say that before lowest hanging fruit. So internal rotators, that's going to be our lowest hanging fruit for taking care of the elbow. And it's going to be the foundation we set to get that pinch grip, to get the FDS where it needs to be. So this is going to be strong enough. So that should in theory, right, Ryan, take stress off the FDS. And if this is strong and this is strong, now you have a really good recipe for some success. And then external rotation strength is the opposite. It's the backside of the shoulder. Yeah. That's getting into that layback that Ryan was talking about where, you know, leading into that before you get into that max layback, that's where that highest stresses are. So if you have stronger external rotators, you're going to be able to do that with better ease. So it's, you're going to be able to lay that arm back in a safer aspect of it. And, you know, a lot of that information coming out, they were showing that the better external rotation strength, you're going to see less shoulder injuries. That's a given. Um, but you're also going to see guys that just bounce back quicker when they have better external rotator strength because they're, they're using less force on that arm to get it into those positions. Would you say that's accurate, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you hit it spot on. And some people call those the decelerators because that's basically yep. what's slowing your arm down after ball release. Correct. Yep. So what have we learned in terms of the balance between your accelerators, your internal rotation strength and your decelerators, your external rotation strength. What, what's the key there when we say your uh, healthy arm is balanced? So when our, when our rotator cuff is balanced, you know, we, in particular, we want to try to get it to one-to-one, you know, that that's important. I mean, that's what we consider balance anywhere in the body is the strength on one side is equal to strength on the other side. Um, but what happens, I mean, we've seen in research that naturally our throwing athletes are imbalanced. Um, and a lot of it is slanted towards having really weak external rotators, the muscles that lay the arm back relative to the muscles, the internal rotators that accelerate it forward. That's seen, you know, pretty typically in research, but you know, our goal is to get our athletes over 85%. We want the muscles that lay the arm back to be at least 85% of the muscles that bring the arm forward. You know, that's, that's important. And we, we might not get perfect balance. That's the goal, but that's an acceptable range for us that we're minimizing that gap in professional baseball. A lot of these athletes have been training more on the backside of their shoulder. And what can happen is the, the ratio of that strength gets reversed. So that means now the muscles that accelerate the arm forward are actually weaker in comparison to the muscles that lay the arm back. Um, and when we see athletes that have greater than a 5% increase in, or uh, it added strength to the external rotators muscles that are laying back relative to the accelerators, the internal rotators that exposes the arm to like slap tears and uh, can expose the arm to um, uh, tension on, on the medial elbow and in, in form flexor injuries. So, you know, balance is, it's the key, you know, and this is why we need to assess it. So in my opinion, if we're not assessing this, this concept of muscular balance, we could be promoting these muscular imbalances in our training and making the generalized approach to arm care, um, actually dangerous, you know? So this is what you're saying is that that if I go online and I find a PDF of an arm care program or strength training program, um, without knowing I could be actually creating imbalances in my and my shoulder, which could be increasing my risk of injury instead of decreasing it. Correct. 
Okay. Exactly. The, awesome. So I, I just want to, and we're going to jump into VLO programs here as part of our cliff notes on arm care here, but, but when you take an athlete, you increase their strength, you get them balanced. They not only re, you know, decrease their injury risk, but you guys have also seen, and, and, and at crossover symmetry, they've also seen where velocity gains typically come just from doing that. Anyone yeah. want to talk yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just building strength in general, <clears throat> there's no movement that strength isn't going to be a benefit to, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I've never heard of someone say like, man, that guy was just, just, just too strong. And that's where we get into this whole, you know, strength and length or length is just a way that we say range of motion that if we're improving both of those at the right, you know, clip for each other, we're going to improve performance. And what we saw when running velocity programs, and I've seen it not just in pro ball, but in the private world as well, that when I increase, you know, external rotation, range of motion, external rotation, strength, internal rotation, range of motion and internal rotation strength. And we're increasing strength and length all across the whole spectrum there we're seeing velocity improvements. We're seeing guys, you know, not just throw with better feel. Hey, I'm not as sore. Equally as important, they're throwing harder, you know, and that's what's going to get you noticed is throwing harder. So how is that different than a, a typical weighted ball? Like yeah. That? So your typical weighted ball programs are, they're, they're not specialized to what you're going to need. So when you look at the studies, the heavy balls increase external range of motion and the light balls increase internal range of motion but we're not worried about just range of motion. We want to know about the strength as well. So if you're only increasing your ranges of motion, you're really missing out on the main thing that holds all that together. It's like it, Ryan uses this example of a rubber band. Like if the rubber band's not strong and if you keep stretching it, it wears out and breaks. And that's what's happening when you're, when you're relying only on elasticity. But when you take a heavy ball, it may increase your external range of motion, but if you're using them appropriately, you're increasing your internal rate rotation strength increasing external range of motion your general velocity program is just kind of a, a generic blanket of hey use these balls let us know in 10 weeks what happens but when you're actually building the strength and range appropriate you're getting not only velocity increases but you're sustaining those velocity increases let's just talk about pitch counts let's talk about it at the pro ball collegiate level and then at the lower levels and and what you guys have seen uh, with pitch counts throwing is not an easy aspect and you need to be really strong to handle that. And most people are not physically mature when they're playing, you know, amateur baseball. They're not, they're still growing. Their bones aren't even fully solidified yet. And we're having them throw hundred plus pitches or 75 pitches over a two or three day period. That's a lot of work on the body. So for me, pitch counts, they're a good starting point, but there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made because some of them are basing things off of, what a full grown adult should be doing. Someone who's already been training for years and years and years and been built up appropriately. And a good way I like to look at it is, you know, they're, they're, they're coming under the assumption that these players are in shape, ready to go. And if they're, it's cold weather, you don't necessarily get to train the same way as if you're in, you know, Southern Florida. And that's one thing is if you're running a marathon and you're training for a marathon, you don't run a marathon day one you slowly build up to being able to run a marathon. And that's the same way it is with pitch counts. You can build up to them, but you got to make sure you're training appropriately and have the right strength and endurance base to set it. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I got some significant research um, 
experience with this. So back in 2000, I think it was 2013, it was myself and a couple of friends. We did a, a deep dive on, on pitch counts, inning counts, days rest. We looked at per game, per inning. We looked at every aspect of workload to see if there's any predictive merit on injuries. And we found nothing in major league baseball. And uh, then we looked at a secondary study because um, Tom Verducci sports illustrated at the time mentioned that um, pitchers um, under 25 should have restricted innings and um, because it can, it can lead to injury. And so what we looked at is that inning restrictions, even in younger professional pitchers also, didn't associate to anything related to health. So the pitch counts that we're looking at in professional baseball, were not really effective. And this ties into something that we haven't mentioned much, but I mean, the, the goal of pitch counts ideally is that the, the athletes not throwing when they're fatigued, that they're they're They have the strength to throw whatever pitches that they need. And what we've seen is that that's not, individualized. That's just this blanket thing, hoping, and we're not looking at that athlete on that particular day and saying, Hey, he threw X number of pitches and it resulted in this much muscle fatigue, which requires that then they do this much training over the next few days so that they're ready the next time that they pitch and do those things. So let's, let's talk a little bit about fatigue here. You kind of hit it on the nail of the head is that we can't assume everybody recovers the same way that their strength comes back the same way. So that's also another flaw in, in, in our pitch count approach and our approach to fatigue. You know, we, we have to evaluate fatigue. How do we know how they're fatigued? Well, we got to look at muscle strength. That's important. That's, that is the essential piece. Fatigue is the enemy when it comes down to it. Again, we're, we're talking pitch counts. You can't have high pitch counts. You, you got to make sure you're doing all this stuff on day's rest. When it comes down to it, fatigue's the enemy. That's the only way you're going to be able to know if you're throwing too much or throwing too little at the end of the day. And for me, the way I like to do it is I really like to test my guys out and understand where their strength is on a bullpen day. Because then I can understand, is this player recovered or is he fatigued? And if I'm going to sacrifice reps, I'm going to sacrifice reps in practice, especially in the seasons. That way now this guy can play to a full gas tank by the time the game rolls around. And then with that, I want to make sure that he's not over-fatigued when the game finishes as a parent, I would say, well, can I just watch their velocity and see if their velocity drops? It's too late. You know, so we've kind of been made to believe that, you know, velocity drops, you know, cause injury. It's, it's usually not, it's the compensation. It's what are they doing differently to keep that velocity high? It doesn't matter if you're 16 or you're 25 at any level. Once you can become a skilled pitcher, your body knows how to adapt and adjust. Fatigue is the enemy. Yep. And velocity or even obvious biomechanical changes. If you're seeing those, it's too late. You're already under a high risk situation of injury pitching. You're already out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to combat you, you need to get as strong as you possibly can monitor fatigue and make sure you're as recovered and as ready as possible for every outing. That is essentially what, arm care is preparing yourself to handle that outing with minimal fatigue and do it again and again over the course of the season or over the course of your career. All right. We've done our cliff notes of arm care. I'm going to attempt to summarize them and you guys tell me where 
I'm off or where I'm, I'm not. So history has shown that improving biomechanics, managing workload, monitoring pitch counts has not really stopped the rise in arm injuries in baseball. What has research has shown to work is strength and balanced strength and not pitching while fatigued. So gaining strength and preventing fatigue are kind of the two key factors when it comes to reducing arm injuries. And what we've also seen is that gaining strength and balance, you should expect to see an increase in velocity and an increase that's sustained because it includes strength where a lot of velo programs don't really increase strength. They just increase range of motion or length. And so any strength gains there tend to dissipate uh, rather quickly. Finally, pitch counts are kind of the minimum that should be done in terms of managing your, your throwing uh, and your throwing workloads. Uh, and you should be looking for other ways to, I just said, build strength and monitor fatigue. And the best way to do that is through a customized training that's fit to you to build that strength and balance to monitor fatigue, adjust, adjust your workloads so that you stay healthy, not only for the next game, but all season long. How was that? Oh, man, it, out of the park for me. Thought it was all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. all right. Out of the park. Cool. I've heard it a few times. So it was a little easier <laughs> yeah. for me to pull that stuff away. But, hey, uh, this has been awesome. I think, uh, you know, I don't have a, a, a kid playing baseball right now. But uh, if I was, um, you know, if I did, I think this would be a, a pretty awesome podcast to listen to. So any parting words for you guys or are we ready? Strength matters most. Strength matters most. I love it. All right. Until next time, take care.